Have you ever found yourself in the midst of a trial and had to acknowledge that it was the direct result of sin? Listen in today as Pastor Draper shares the biblical perspective on sin and the results it can bring in this message entitled, The Devastating Consequences of Sin. When you can miss gathering with God's people and it doesn't even bother you, something is seriously wrong with your walk with the Lord. It ought to bother you even when you have a legitimate reason not to be here that you are not here. You honor the Lord with your commitment. You honor the Lord with your consistency. You honor the Lord by not allowing your mind to be distracted and you're thinking about a pot roast or where you're going to eat after the church gathering instead of being engaged in the message. That's right. That's right. You honor the Lord by being still and knowing that he is God. You honor the Lord by remaining to the benediction unless circumstances won't permit it. You come to stay and you don't call yourself worshiping in the go mode. In the go mode. Number three, it says, if your heart is not right, If your heart is not right before the Lord, the most priceless offering will be unacceptable before him. If your heart is not right before the Lord, the most priceless of offerings will be unacceptable before him. Psalms 51, 16 through 17 says, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. You don't come in here haughty and full of pride and arrogant. When you come into God's presence to worship with God's people on the Lord's day, there ought to be a heightened sense of humility about you. You don't come in here to get a girlfriend. And if that happens along the way, praise God. Some of y'all find women and men in strange places. Strange places. And in some cases it work out. In some cases it really don't. Maybe it's perhaps it's where you found them. But your objective here is to not catch you a good man, a good woman, although this is a good place to hopefully... Get one, but your primary objective is to meet God. I have come to the Lord's house on the Lord's day to meet God, and I come with a sense of brokenness, sense of humility. It's not about everybody else. It's about me. God purge me. God examine me. God sift me. God make me. God mold me. When you get through with me in this worship gathering, when I leave, I'm not like I came because God has dealt with me. Then you can offer up to God a life of worship that is honorable and acceptable before him. Number four, apart from humility and submission before the Lord, one cannot worship God in spirit and in truth. Apart from humility and submission before the Lord, one cannot worship God in spirit and truth. As a matter of fact, the gospel of John chapter four, verse 24 says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. 
The spirit ought to be governing your lives of worship. The spirit, the Holy Ghost ought to be moving you. It's the Holy Ghost ought to be convicting you. It, it ought to be the Holy Ghost that make you, your tears run down your eyes or make you laugh when nobody's tickled you. <laughs> make you grunt because your feet have been stepped on by the gospel of Jesus Christ. If the gospel don't step all over you, then it is not the gospel. It ought to disturb you so much that you're not getting mad at the preacher. You want to get right before the Lord with your lifestyle. Number five, a true worshiper realizes that obedience is better than sacrifice. A true worshiper realizes that obedience is better than sacrifice. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22a says, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Repeat after me, obedience is better than sacrifice. Thank you. The Lord only accepts an offering from those who are obedient to him. Cain's offering was it rejected because he was not being obedient to the Lord, whereas Abel was. You see, my friends, you cannot live a lifestyle of sin such as sex, living in sexual immorality. You're cheating, lying, stealing, gossiping, gambling. You're in witchcraft, watching witchcraft type of stuff on television, Harry Potter and all this stuff. Bad motives undermining the leadership of the ministry, having a hidden agenda and even operating in deceitfulness and expect God to accept your offering. Listen, all I'm saying, he said, what are you saying? A rebellious life negates the worshiper and his offering. Did you get that? A rebellious life negates the worshiper and his offering. You can give God a million dollars, but if your life is raggedy, if you live it in sin, God says, don't give me that much. Give me your life, then I'll accept your offering. Oh, God, a rebellious life negates the worshiper and his offering. Number six, the worshiper and his offering are inseparable. The worshiper and his offering are are inseparable. Like Cain, one cannot truly worship God or give him an acceptable offering if you're harboring grudges, bitterness, and anger. The worshiper and his offering are inseparable. Neither can you separate your giving from your worship. You know, you got people, oh, they can shout and they stand, they stand and they dance and they, oh, they give God a big amen. They holler and scream and, and people roll all over the floor and foaming at the mouths and all that. And then don't give God a dime in the basket or give him chump change and leftover and you think you've done God some good. God said, I don't want that stinky offering because you got to realize you can't separate giving and worship because authentic worship gives and give the best of what one has. A genuine worshiper will give God the first 
and best of his offering to the Lord. Because 2 Samuel 24, 24b says, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that what that which costs me nothing. If what you're giving to God costs you nothing, then why would God accept it? If what you're offering to God is mere chump change with a stinky attitude, God saying, keep your money. I don't exist by what you give me. And you don't give to me because I'm broke. You give to me because I'm good to you. I bless you in spite of yourself. You can't inhale or exhale apart from me. You don't get a raindrop apart from me. You can't walk in a straight line apart from me. You can't lift a finger apart from me. You can't even wake up this morning apart from me. If you don't do me right, keep it. You're the one that suffers. And you're the one that are cursed with a curse. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. Number seven, whether we give God money, possessions, or talents, we should give joyfully to the Lord the best of what he has blessed us with because the Lord evaluates our motives as well as the quality of what we offer him. He evaluates our what? Our motives as well as the quality of what we offer him. Whether it's money, possessions, talents, whatever you do. Did you prepare in such a way that God will accept the presentation of the lesson you're going to teach the the people who are going to come and sit at your feet? Or did you just gather yourself together and glance over it and you're going to stand to teach like you were all of that? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. Whatever you have is for God. Who has been in your car that you've given a ride apart from your family? How have you served God with your car? How have, how have you served God with your home? I'm not talking about folk you like. What single parent has been in your home? What person of the other race have eaten at your table? Or even slept in one of your beds. Why call me Lord and do not the things I say? God says, if you love me, you you keep my commandments because you love me. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. New wine. Some of y'all know about new wine. The Lord abundantly blesses those who honor God with the best of his possessions with the right Motives. When's the last time you blessed a stranger? I know you can't help everybody that have a bucket and everybody that knock on your windows or somebody say, do you have a dollar? You, you know you can't help everybody. You don't have the resources to do that. Your money is, uh, you don't have enough where it just goes and goes and goes. But the other side, you ought to help somebody sometime as you travel life's journey. Sometimes we want to send everybody to the church, but God says, no, I'm sending them to you because I want to see what you are, first of all, going to do 
with what I have blessed you with. You defer to other agencies and other people for benevolence. But God said, I, I, I let you heal that need because I want to check out what you're going to do. Ah, <sighs> Verse five. Verse five. Y'all hanging with me? Oh, God, help me preach this message. But he did not respect Cain. And his offering disregarded it. And Cain was very what? Angry. And his countenance what? Fell. Ooh, it's so much in this text. Cain wasn't just angry. He was, the scripture says in verse five, he was very angry. Say very angry. With that being said, what does brooding, festering anger do to us? What does brooding, festering anger do to us? <laughs> well, number one, it, it causes one to have a bad heart. And if you got a bad heart, you have a bad spirit. Verse nine says, am I my brother's keeper? Why are you asking me that, God, in so many words? <laughs> bad heart. Bad spirit. Look how he's answering God like he's talking to another human. And he was talking to the very one who created him and could have killed him for what he did instantly. Am I my brother's keeper? Getting smart with God. Now, you know, you beside yourself when you can look a holy, just, all powerful God that created the sunrise and the sunset, that created the oceans and the universe and the stars and, and all the planets and all of this stuff. And then you're going to take your little puny self and say, am I my brother's key? Why are you asking me that question? Ooh, this man was so full of himself and about out of shape till the word of God says in Jude, woe be unto you if you go the way of Cain. The firstborn, and now God is, woe be unto you. You go the way of that man. You see, it causes one to have a bad spirit, a bad heart and a bad spirit. Number two, unresolved anger causes one to hate. Cain so hated Abel until he premeditated the murder of his own brother. As in the case of Cain, unresolved anger will lead one to hatred, violence, and will even cause one to murder the object of their hatred. That's why it's not good to hate in your heart. Because when you hate, you begin, you become vindictive. And the first thing you want to do is what? Get even. The scripture says in verse 8b, Cain rose up against Abel his brother, his blood brother, and killed his brother. What a tragic scene. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22a says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. And oh my, Cain was in danger of the judgment. Verse 22a says, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Cain was angry at God and he was angry at his brother without a real cause. Not a real cause. Number three. 
what does brooding, festering anger do to us? Number three, Cain had a misdirected anger. Instead of examining himself to confront the issue of his own anger, he directed it toward God and his brother Abel. Genesis chapter four, verses five through six says, but he did not respect Cain in his offering and Cain was very angry and his countenance failed. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, Cain? Why has your countenance, your face fallen? Why has it fallen? Misdirected anger. You know, a lot of folk come in and they get angry at people. They come at their job. They're angry at a certain person. And they'll, they'll say, because you did this and you did that. But really, you're not the issue. That, that's a misdirected anger that probably still from the home or perhaps the relationship with the husband and wife is bad. They're taking it out on you. You understand what I'm saying? Misdirected anger happens all the time. And, you, and somebody cuss you out. You just said one thing. You wonder, where did that come from? Where did that come from? What did I say? What did I do? The fact of the matter is you did nothing. And that was already in them. And they were just looking for somebody to direct it toward because they didn't want to deal or confront the issue of their own anger. Fourthly, uh, anger causes one to lie to others and even in the face of God. Now, when you can lie to God, you know you're in bad shape. Look, Genesis 4, 9 says, then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother, Cain? Look what Cain says. I don't know. He's lying through his teeth. He doesn't know. He just killed his brother and then tell God he doesn't know. How many times have your children lied to you and you caught them in the lie? And how many times you lied to your parents, by the way, parents, (laughs) and you were caught? How many of you lie to God today and walk out of here and can go to bed so easy? God says, bring me the tithes and offerings. Bring me the first and best part. And you give him a good offering, but not the best. Like Cain, your good is not good enough. He wants your best because he gave heaven's best for you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Cain tells God, I don't no. You know, it's dangerous to start lying. Tell the truth one time, you keep telling that same truth, but when you lie, 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 you got to tell another lie to cover up that lie, another lie to tell you to lie. My wife knows if I try to lie because she knows lying is not common to me. Some of y'all can lie so much until you can tell a smooth lie and folk can't tell it because you lie smoothly. Smooth-faced liars. Smooth lying. There's no such thing as a half lie. A lie is a lie. No little lie, big lie. A lie is a lie. Tell them I ain't home. Lying. 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 I wonder if they're in there. Liars in the house. When is the last time you lied? You don't have to go back that far either. Perhaps at the altar today, someone need to come forth and repent. Of the sin of lying. You know, Ananias and Sapphira was struck dead because of lying to God. Look how much mercy that God has on Cain talking to the God of the universe that way, lying through his teeth and God said, enough, poop out of here. And yet, Ananias and Sapphira 
in the early days of the church, lied to God and both fell dead. And so could have been Cain. Let me give you another point and then I'll leave y'all alone. Y'all get on the hound so much and we'll take up the next time. I got about 15 pages of message, so I'm not going to hardly get through. Okay? I've been preparing for weeks for this message and I'm going to take my time. How often do you hear a message on Cain and Abel? One more point and I'll leave you alone. Anger is revealed in the face. Y'all know where I was going. You, you own it, sister. <laughs> Anger is revealed in the faith. Look at verse 5. And his countenance fell. You say, what does that count? Let me just break it down to you so you, come, so you won't miss it. And his face was ugly. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Now you get the point. You know, I don't understand the Bible. Bible. Okay. His face was ugly before the Lord. We told our children, straighten up your face. And oh, as your pastor, I need to tell some of you today to straighten up your ugly face. Know that God sees the frown on your face. Know that God sees the frown on your face, but he also sees the frown on your heart. Some of y'all can smile and you're frowning. Within, It's amazing, astonishing how many saints think they can truly worship God with a fallen, ugly face. When you come into the presence of God to worship with his people, your face should radiate an expression that you have been with God and his people. And your face should be a blessing to those who are looking at your face. You cannot worship God nor minister to others frowning and disfiguring your face. What kind of message is your face sending in the choir while on television? They got a DVD of Father's Day and I heard they had a wonderful Father's Day and all of a sudden you see the choir and somebody's face. Got your uniform on. Whispering. Undertone, your face makes God sick. You cannot worship God or minister to others frowning and disfiguring your face. What kind of messages is is your face sending in the choir, the ensemble, the congregation, in rehearsals and, and meetings that you attend? Allow the Holy Spirit to straighten up your face so you can worship God in a way that is honorable and acceptable for him. Beloved, I close with this question. What would the expression of your face look like if you knew that this was your last day on earth? If you knew without a doubt that by midnight tonight, you would be dead. How would your face look in light of that truth? Listen, y'all need to start smiling. We say we say, you ought to show it in your face. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hand. If you're happy and you know it, then you don't even want to say it. Then your face was, <laughs> y'all scared to say it? 
<laughs> then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hand. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, shake a hand. If you're happy and you know it, shake a hand. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show. If you're happy and you know it, shake a hand. Now listen. That ought to convince you to smile. And I tell you what, a lot of times you smile, folk are not going to smile back. Sometimes people cut in, uh, uh, cut in front of me and they won't even wave their hand. Anytime somebody lets you in, when you know they could have just kept it bumper to bumper, you ought to wave your hand back there and tell them thank you. Don't just drive on and they just let you in. Huh? Your face you minister, you you can't witness to anybody with an ugly face. Hey, if your God is like that, I don't want him because your face is too ugly for me to accept him. And all God's children said, amen. And Father, we thank you for this message. Oh, God is so much to preach in this message on Cain. And Abel. Ooh, you taught us so much in just a little bit of time. So much profound truth that's embedded in this text. Lord, you brought us here to challenge us, to live holy, to give our best, and to smile. Teach us to live out what we've received so that you can be maximized in our lives. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683.